the Lord. Yes, praise the Lord. It is chat time once again. Now this week we will continue to discuss current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. So last week we were talking about in the midst of depression and anxiety that there's hope. And we started talking about this article and um, it, it actually was written by this woman who said that she came to a place where the emotional pain was too heavy and the darkness was too strong. Hope was gone and God seemed so far away from her. And she kept telling herself, and I, I can identify with this, I feel I am worthless. I will never be well again. And she says that if you have also struggled with these lies, she said, my heartfelt desire is to free you. In 2001, she said she attempted suicide um, and she had to actually face depression. She had to face her situation. You know, like you meet somebody face to face and you gotta, you gotta um, confront them, you know. And she said, I didn't realize that my version of God's love involved proving my worth. I had mistakenly come to think that God's affection and value of me 
relied on my spiritual resume. I would never have said that, but deep down, that's how I was evaluating myself. And the truth is that God really loves you very, very much. And the Bible says that you are a masterpiece created by God. And I know some versions say masterpiece, but in Ephesians, in the King James Version, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, doesn't use that, that word, but it, it pretty much what means word? it. Ephesians 2 and 10 reads, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before all ordained that we should walk in them. So we're God's workmanship. Now, if God, if we're God's workmanship, he's perfect. And what he makes isn't junk. You know, we're perfect in him because of him. Mm -hmm. Not, not all by ourselves, but, but, you know, we're worth something. So when some uh, translations say that we're a masterpiece Pretty much we are. Right, because David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So when God created us, he created us uh, with the purpose and a spiritual pattern in mind. And so it's, it's, it's a, a, just uncanny how people say the Lord made a mistake or uh, I was born the wrong gender or the wrong sex. Good and, grief, don't let me, get, <laughs> I don't want to get started on that. That's a bunch of baloney. I mean, even without all that added baggage of being LGBTQ, of being uh, with the same-sex marriage, without, you know, all by yourself, you have enough emotional baggage. You right. have enough pain. You have enough uh, family pain. You have enough uh, mental pain. You have enough physical pain without adding to it. Right. My goodness, I just don't... I don't understand why people would add more to what they're already carrying. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But, but, but in this article it says when you go to an art gallery, you don't expect the art to do anything. Right. You go there and you have a seat or you stand there and you look at it. And what does it look like? What is it? You know, you try to interpret what the, the, you think that the artist meant to do. And the Lord says that I am the potter and you are the clay. So he made us just the way he wanted us, mm -hmm. just perfectly the way he wanted us to be. He designed us, you know, just mm -hmm. like he designed the whole world, just like he designed all the animals and the insects and the trees and the everything, everything. that we enjoy. Right, has a pattern. Everything. And and if you look at it in in the sense of like an art gallery, you're uh, an invaluable piece of his art collection. Yeah, I mean, I know that's really putting it in a real base way, but um, nothing can replace you is what I'm trying to say. Right. Nothing. Nothing can take your place. Nothing. Nothing is you're, like you. Right. You're unique. And. Not only that, you bring him joy. Yes. And he sings over you. And I think that's what it says in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Yes, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says, 
The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Isn't that something? Yes. He rejoices over you and he sings about you. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. I never even I never yeah. even paid much attention to some of those scriptures, but that's that's amazing. Right. You know? To present you faultless before his glory with joy. I mean, mm-hmm. look at a mother over her little child, her little baby. Mm-hmm. And the mother just sings over that little baby because she's so happy, you know, mm-hmm. sings it to sleep. See, she's joyful over that child, or at least you should be. You shouldn't be thinking about abortion. You shouldn't be thinking about, you know, yeah. the way God set things up is perfect. The and way, we, Right. And we have misery. Why? When we go against the way God has established something. He said they're going to seek to change his laws. They're going to seek to change times. They're going to try and undo what God has done. They won't be able to, but following trying to do this comes madness. And you know what? When you walk away from the Lord, I'll bet he's walking right after you. He's right behind you because the moment that you repent, he's right there. He's right there. So he has to be following you. Mm-hmm. And he chose to give his life for your life. He chose to give his life to cover all your sins so that you could still not only, not only that he sings over you and rejoices over you here in the now, but that he could have you with him in eternal life. Right. And so don't be deceived when people say, well, the Lord died for your sins, and therefore you don't need to do anything. They are actually telling people, you don't have to repent. God died for your sins. So that means he died for your sins. But the Lord lets you know that, yes, he died for your sins, but you have to receive the gift that he's giving you, that he's giving us. You have to receive it. Because if not for you, it would be in vain if you don't receive it. So you can have something, somebody can have something for you, and they can say, but you have to come get it. And you can stay at home and refuse to come get it, and the gift is never... It's still there. Right, never used, never, you never benefit from it. You know, a lot of people it. use that example, like if uh, somebody gave you a million dollars and put it in a bank account for you, and it's in your name, and you have access to it, but you, you don't believe it. And you never go to the bank and, right. and never check on it. You know, it's a gift that somebody put in a bank account for you, but you don't believe it, so you don't go to the bank. It's yours. Mm-hmm. It's yours for the taking. You don't have to do anything for it. You just have to go and get it. Right. You just have to receive it. You just have to Right. Say, you okay. have to do that. Now, some people feel like they don't have to do it. I said, but yes, you do. You have to to do something. You have to receive. You have to open your heart. You have to repent. You have to come to the Lord and you have to acknowledge. You ha- The first thing that you have that the Lord says when you arm yourself is truth. You have to know the truth. You have to acknowledge what the truth is. Now to think that you don't have to do anything is, is so idiotic to me that I just, when I hear people, I'm talking about these people have TV programs, and they're teaching people, you don't have to repent. 
Now we're talking about, you know, how the enemy talks to you and says that you're worthless. And, you know, last week I know I was talking, because I know that <laughs> I can identify with it, you know, but then I, can't, I, I have to tell the enemy. I have to speak to the enemy. I have to tell him that he's wrong because God died for me. He loves me. Right. He loves me. And that makes me worth something. Now, in this article, she says that you don't have to do anything to be worthy. You are worthy already. You were worthy before you were even born. He knew about you before you were even born. Well, we're not worthy, worthy, but the Lord loves us anyway. Nothing can stop his love. Right. Is what I'm saying. Nothing can stop his love for you. He, he knew you before you were even the, in the womb. He knew you were going to, he knew that he wanted you in this world. Right. And so can you imagine for the people that are listening, God knew you when you were in the womb. He knew your name. I'm sitting here and God knew me when I was in my mother's womb. God knew me when I was just a seed. Within my father's loin, God knew me. God knew us. So that's why life is so precious. You don't know what you're destroying when you do these things. God knows us. There's a reason why. He knew that you were going to be born, and he knew that while you were in the womb, a murderer would be coming to, to, to kill you. Right. He knows what your end is. What's your life? But some people say, well, that means you, you're predestined. No, it just means God knows. Just because you know something doesn't mean you predestinate it. That wasn't his intention. Right. God doesn't predestinate you just because you know. You know the answer to a test. You're in the womb. You, just because you know it doesn't mean that you are controlling a, a person's self-will. God won't do that. The, they say fetus, and that's not a baby. But the baby in a womb is... A baby. Is is a baby and it has a soul mm -hmm. and there's a scripture that says all souls are mine mm -hmm. saith the lord right and he desires that every soul be saved mm -hmm. it's his desire he takes no pleasure in a soul that that's dying because of sin and going to perdition that doesn't give god any pleasure whatsoever but the world has lost his way and that's understandable. What's not understandable is how the church loses its way trying to be accepted by the world. You know, it doesn't make any sense to try to be accepted or to be for the world to validate you because the world can't validate because they, you, you stand on opposite ends. It's impossible for what saints stand for and for what the world stands for are two different things. So you can't, you have to take your stand. You have to realize that the world will reject you, won't believe you, ridicule you, mock you. But you have to hold to the truth no matter what. You have to know what the truth, without the truth, without your foundation being the truth, you're lost. So if you know what's true, and you say, this is contrary to God's word, I can't do this, regardless of how popular. You know, I think they lose the church or ministers or pastors or preachers lose their way because they're looking 
they're looking at the natural. They're looking at, they want a big congregation. They want a big mm -hmm. um, following. They want they're, likes. They're not only and... following, they want, they want money. You know, they want, they want money. So there's mammon. So they, they sell out their souls. They sell out their spiritual connection with the Lord for something that's going to perish. And instead of saying, I'm going to take my eye and I'm going to keep it on the Lord, I'm going to keep my mind and heart on the Lord. And even if I have only one person in my congregation, even if I have just one person listening to me, I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. You know, instead of appealing to LGBTQ, abortion, you know, people that favor abortion instead of or, or, even, or even family members. You know, there's a there's a pressure within the family. Some, you know, when when I was coming up, uh, my father he was a stout Democrat. You know, and I'm saying I told him I said, yeah, well, the Republican Party approached me to do this. You know, and he sort of just looked at me, and I was like, you know, well, that's just how things. Things go, but it's not because of who the party is. Is what is what does it stand for? What does an individual stand for? If you look at a person and knowing that they're going into a swamp and it's corrupt, it's not highly. You wonder why some people don't vote. It's because both sides are corrupt. They're after mammon. They're not after our welfare, they don't care, you know, whether or not you can make your utility bills. That doesn't bother them. As long as they're getting paid, they don't care. Mm -hmm. But I think, what does God have to say? What would the Lord say if I knowingly supported somebody who was contrary to God's will? What would the Lord say to me? Well, anyway, we're Getting off on a tangent here. In this article, the next thing that this uh, woman said that um, that she had trouble with is that, uh, what the enemy was always saying is that I will never be well again. And she says, uh, Jesus' resurrection proves that this isn't true. She said, I won't lie to you. Even as a therapist, I still struggle with depression and anxiety. However, that does not mean that hope is lost. I will promise you two things. You will have struggles in your life, and God can take care of your broken heart and somehow bring life despite your challenges. Take in his words every day and allow his power to love and revive hope. It takes daily effort Therapy, time with other believers, meditating on his words, and sometimes medications don't do it alone. Rely on the one who conquered death already. She said there will be days when the miracle is just getting out of bed. He understands and values that. You have a unique ability to connect with God. David wrote, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken heart. A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. That, you know, I like that psalm. It was 51, you know, where he came to the Lord and repented. And he was saying, create in me a clean heart. And because you are broken, you have something to offer him that is special and beautiful. You are not home yet. You might be depressed because your spiritual eye can see this world has nothing to offer. 
And that's true. When you're in pain mm -hmm. or you're sad or you're... Or you're just about near death's door. You know, Doctors don't have the answer. And yeah, and there have been times I've been near death's door, and I guarantee you, you don't care about anything that's going on at that particular moment when your life is in the balance. You're right in the moment. And so in that moment, you have to call on the Lord. In, the, in, in those moments, I said, Lord, this is what I want. If I'm in a situation where it's life or death, I said, I want to think on you, Lord. I want to call on you. I don't want to say, oh, boy, or wow, or gee golly. I want to say, Jesus, help me. Lord, undertake for me. That's what I want to do. I want, I want the Lord to be my present help in the, in the time of trouble. And it's hard. I, I have to say it's hard. You know, I, I know myself and I know others that when you're hurting, you're emotional hurt, you've got depression, you've got anxiety, you, you've got physical pain, and you don't mm -hmm. have anybody that can give you an answer. You don't know mm -hmm. where your help is going to come from. Right. Y y family is breaking down before you, in front mm -hmm. of your eyes, and you just don't know which way to turn, and you feel like there's nothing, so you hang on to the Lord. And you know that God, and you read scriptures, and you listen to messages, and you listen, and you read, and you pray, and you, but sometimes I feel like we don't always take it into our hearts. I mean, it's like agreeing with the word, but not... I mean, it's like, it's like you just agree with it. Okay, that's a good statement. But you've got to take it and put it inside your heart so that it starts to come alive inside of you. Mm -hmm. That you know. I'm, because I think when you're bombarded by all these different pains, emotional, physical, mental, family pain, whatever the pain is, it's so easy to get distracted. Yeah, it is. You know, so you read a scripture... And then you stand, after you read the scripture, you stand up and you can hardly walk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden the scripture doesn't even get into your heart, mm -hmm. you know, or, or you read a scripture and you pray and you have a good prayer and then all of a sudden somebody calls you or mm -hmm. the enemy comes and gives you a thought and it's like all of a sudden everything that you feel good about within within a span of like few right. minutes. It, the it enemy goes, comes to, to try. It goes out the door, mm -hmm. you know, but. Um, but you said, Lord, I'm going to keep my mind stayed on you. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things have a good report. Right. So you got you to gotta confront the thoughts. You can't dwell on what was in the past. You can't dwell on what happened to you last year, last month. You can't dwell on what's going on right now. You dwell on the goodness of the Lord right. and, his, and how he has the answer. He has the solution. And what the Lord says is he calls it girding up the loins of your mind. You convince your mind, you bring your mind and your thoughts under control so that they don't settle, those things don't settle into your heart. Because once they settle into your heart, then you've got a battle because they become whatever's in your heart is what you do. So the Lord says, you gird up the loins of your mind and you make sure the enemy doesn't penetrate your, your thoughts on your mind. When they bring those things, you rebuke the enemy. 
And saints have to take a stand. The church has to take a stand in this evil generation. The church has to say, I, I probably won't be popular, but at least I'll be right. And in the sight of God, at least the Lord will favor me. So it's a daily, daily battle. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's more than daily. Sometimes it's several times a day. Yeah, sometimes um. it's constant. Just minute by minute, second by second. Because you're, you're in a warfare. Right, you are. And the enemy's after your heart. That's where the war is. But there is hope. There is hope for all, for everything. Now, you know, and proof is, is that if you look back at some things that happened to you maybe 10 years ago, you know that God brought you out of that. You're here. You have a different battle. But what you were suffering from 10 years ago isn't, you're not suffering from now. Right. It's different. So if God can take care of that, then he can take care of this emotional pain or the mental pain or the physical pain right. or the worthlessness or the feeling that you're never going to be well again. He can take care of all of that right, right you, now. You just remind the Lord, Lord, you said your anointing breaks the yoke. And so you tell the Lord, your anointing is going to break the yoke. And so you pray until you feel God's anointing. So, you know, we're going to continue this next week. But what I want to continue with is last week I talked about uh, running across an article from Tim Tebow. I don't know. I like that guy. He, um, anyway, he, he's saying that God will never waste your pain when you give it to him. And we'll talk about that next week. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Now, this week's verse of the day comes from 1 Samuel, the second chapter and the second verse. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Now, ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was... Why should you be careful to not rob the poor or oppress the afflicted? The answer is because God will plead their cause. And the answer can be found in Proverbs 22, verse 22. Rob not the poor, because he is poor, neither oppress the afflicted in the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and spoil the soul of those that spoil them. This week's food for thought is what will happen to you if you have fools as your companions? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. 